podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Wednesday, April 13th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. With a Liberty Shield VPN, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all for whatever it is, Liberty Shield will get you where you need to be and protect your data from the miscreants and ne'er-do-wells who roam the internet. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. Five-star ratings across the board. Excellent customer service. If you go to libertyshield.com, use the code EPL25, EPL25 at checkout, you get 25% off either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router which is sent to your house, worldwide delivery. The software package is instant download to your device, get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, we had a massive shock in the Champions League last night. Bayern Munich won, Villarreal won, Villarreal through 2-1 on aggregate. Bayern dominated the game, had... A lot of chances, 24 shots in total, only four on target. Didn't break the deadlock until the 52nd minute with Robert Lewandowski's goal. But looked like they would qualify. They looked like the team who would get through. They're the team you expected to get through. But in the end, in the 88 minutes, Villarreal broke a counterattack. Bayern all at sea and Samuel Chukwesi from a pass by Gerard Moreno made it 1-1 and sent Unai Emery and his men through to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Now, you have to understand how mad it is that Villarreal are where they are. Like For them to even be in La Liga is impressive. The city of Villarreal has a population of around 50,000 people. The closest UK comparisons are Perth in Scotland and Hereford. Imagine St. Johnston or Hereford being in the Premier League, let alone qualifying for Europe let alone winning the Europa League like they did last season, let alone getting to a Champions League semi-final. And this is their second Champions League semi-final. They also managed it back in the 05-06 season. Uh, in that season, they had to go through the qualifying stages where they knocked out the mighty Everton in their one and only adventure into Europe's biggest competition of the last 30 years, 35 years. When was it? 85, 86? So what are we looking at? 37 years since Everton have been in Europe properly? Magnificent. Magnificent. Real, to their credit, are just a really well-organized bunch of scrappers. Scrappers is the only word I can think of. And I've been through this before, but if you didn't hear, the Premier League links to this team are crazy. Like, Geronimo Rulli, the goalkeeper 
formerly owned by Man City. Purvis Estupian, the left Estupian and the left back, formerly owned by Watford. Neither of them actually played for those clubs. Juan Voigt, cast off by Spurs. Giovanni Lacelso, cast off by Spurs. Etuan Capue, cast off by Spurs, formerly at Watford. Danny Pareo spent time on loan at QPR early in his career. Francis Cockeen, formerly at Arsenal. Those two lads were together, Pereira and Cockeen. They were together at Valencia when Valencia went through, we'll be polite and call it a cost-cutting. No, no, it was asset-stripping. They went through an asset-stripping phase under Peter Lim, who, by the way, is Gary Neville's business partner with uh, Salford. Uh, and they basically just gave the two of them away. I think Villarreal paid $5 million for the two of them. And this year they'll be start, uh, starting in Champions League semi-finals while Valencia are barely keeping the head above water. Uh, Gerard Moreno and um, Arnett Danjuma, who was a Premier League flop with Bournemouth, then had a really good season in the Championship and earned this move. Um, even on the bench, you've got Serge Aurier, Spurs cast off not in the squad because he's currently injured, Alberto Moreno, Liverpool cast off. Uh, it is crazy. This is the island of misfit toys. And yet somehow Unai Emery has put together a really well-organized, really disciplined team who are European Cup semi-finalists. An incredible achievement. Now, I think Nagelsmann deserves most of the blame here from a Bayern perspective. His arrogance with his team selection was genuinely sensational. I, I don't think I've seen a more arrogant team selection in a game of this magnitude in the Champions League. To decide to only play three defenders, two midfielders, and then five attackers. Now, he can claim that Sané and Coleman were wing-backs. They don't have a defensive bone in their body. He also had them playing inverted. I'll never understand why anyone plays Leroy Sané on the right. It's the biggest waste of that player, I can imagine. That guy is the best left-winger on the planet and has been for about four or five years, and yet he's wasted playing as a right wing-back or a right winger. All this to get either Musiala or Muller or both of them into the team. I'm not sure which one, what way it works, but ridiculous from Nagelsmann. And his European record is questionable at best. And I think when it comes time for the likes of City and Liverpool to look for new managers, I think this type of thing will be held against him. You've got that much talent and you're going out to with respect, that team. You're drawing 1-1 at home with Villarreal. Like, Emery is a good European manager, but his record away from home through his career, no matter the competition, no matter the league, is atrocious. But it is what it is. Bayern Munich out, Villarreal through. Also out, Chelsea European Cup holders out of the competition. I said they'd put up a fight. I didn't think they could win by two clear goals. In the end, they did win the 90 minutes by two clear goals. They were 3-0 up. Mason Mount on 15, Antonio Rudiger on 51, and then Timo Werner on 75. Chelsea were outstanding for 78 minutes in this game. Absolutely outstanding. And then Luka Modric produced a rare piece, not for him, not rare for him, but rare in the general scope of football, with one of the best assists I've ever seen. That kind of rare genius that you only see from certain players. It's a phenomenal ball, and Rodrigo's finish is outstanding. That sends it to extra time. Between the Rodrigo goal and the full-time whistle, Chelsea still had chances. Six minutes into extra time, comedy defending as always from Antonio Rudiger, 
and Karim Benzema with the goal that puts Real through 5-4 in aggregate, a 3-2 win for Chelsea on the night. They can go out of the competition with the heads held high, but we saw why that defence just isn't getting it done in the Premier League over the two legs. As great as Tuchel is, and I thought he coached his ass off last night, that defence let him down and, and has done routinely this season. People talk about the attacking issues. When it comes to the bigger games, there's always a defensive Rick. Um, tonight, we have two games. Atletico Madrid versus Manchester City. Atleti, 1-0 down from the first leg. City went 69 minutes of frustration. And then De Bruyne, off that lovely little bit of play by Phil Foden, finally unlocked them. Atleti had zero shots, zero corners, and 29% of the ball. Expect something similar tonight. Don't expect that because they're one down, they're going to come out and try to attack City. They're going to come out and try and spoil the game and try and nick one on a counterattack. That's what they're going to do. There are rumours that Ruben Diaz could be back. We'll wait and see. Would be a bit of a risk to play him in this type of game coming back off a month out, but stranger things have happened. The winner of that will play Real Madrid. And I've seen a lot of people write Real off. I would just say, as I said on the Daily Red today, just look at that team and look at the silverware they've won. Look at the lads with Champions League medals falling out of their pockets before you write them off. Remember that their manager has won three of them before you write them off. In the other game, Liverpool take on Benfica at Anfield. Liverpool have a 3-1 lead from the first leg and will expect to progress. Now, Benfica won at the weekend. They did rest a lot of players, uh, still beat Belenenses, uh, 3-1. Darwin Nunes with a hat-trick continuing his outstanding season. Atletico Madrid, by the way, lost at the weekend uh, to Mallorca, who are not very good at all. And that is just one of a number of really bad defeats that Atleti have had this season. You'd expect both English teams to go through. But as we saw last night, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Chelsea are one insane pass by Luka Modric away from being in the semi-finals. Villarreal are in the semi-finals. Anything could happen tonight. Benfica could get an early goal, sneak a late goal, and then knock Liverpool out next time. It would not be out of the realms of possibility for Atletico Madrid to score, park the bus, shithouse their way, to a penalty shootout and then knock City out. It would not be outside the realms of possibility for that to happen. And if it does happen, that all Madrid semi-final will become an absolute war. An absolute war. Because Atleti don't like that Real have stolen their title this season. They're quite annoyed with how their own season has gone and their frustrations will likely come out in the form of kicking Real Madrid up in the air. Um, so it should be good tonight. Two good games. I, I think the Liverpool game will be the one worth watching purely from a footballing point of view, but obviously the other one is more finely balanced and if you want tension and drama, maybe you lean Atletico versus Man City. Atletico's stadium was meant to be partially closed tonight. Uh, UEFA had ordered on Monday that Atletico were to close at least 5,000 seats at the 68,500 capacity Wanda Metropolitano. That was in response to discriminatory behaviour by Atleti fans during last week's first leg in Manchester, but that punishment has been suspended after a request to the Court of Arbit Arbitration for Sport. 
The CAS granted the request for security reasons given the potential serious repercussions of trying to exclude 5,000 ticket holders. And so that's the problem here. Atleti had already sold all their tickets. So they couldn't really go ahead. But if Atleti get to a semi-final, then in all likelihood, they will have to close 5,000 seats for that one. Big news from the Premier League. It looks like, according to David Ornstein, who had the exclusive yesterday, Eric Ten Hag is to accept the Manchester United job and take over this summer, leaving Ajax to become the fifth manager since Alex Ferguson. We had Moyes. It didn't go well. We had Louis van Gaal. It didn't go well. We had Jose. It didn't go well. Oli didn't go well. I'm not counting Ranić because he's only ever been an interim. There was never a chance he was getting kept. Eric Ten Hag has a massive, massive job on his hands. A massive job on his hands. Now, I'm not sure what I'm more excited about. The Sky Sports points after 20 games graphic comparing... Ten Hag to Jurgen Klopp or the first time something goes wrong and Manchester United fans begin to get a little bit wobbly. Ten Hag has massive decisions to make over Harry Maguire and Cristiano Ronaldo. It may well be that next season is just about the rebuild, about clearing the decks, about getting in players that suit the way he wants to play about getting rid of players that don't suit the way he wants to play or are underperforming. If we look at Ajax's last couple of games, so they played Sparta-Rotterdam at the weekend. They lined up in a 4-3-3. Before that, they also at times will play a 4-2-3-1, but 4-3-3 does seem to be... So against Groningen, for example, they played 4-2-3-1. Now, if we look at this United squad, you can make a case that, you know, Varane and Lindelof, or if he could stay fit, Varane and Bailly, would be fine in how he wants to play an aggressive high line. Luke Shaw, left back, would be fine. There's big question marks over the right back position, though I think Diogo Delot has improved this season uh, while... Aaron Wambasaka continues to decline. The one thing of note, though, is the goalkeeper he's had at Ajax for most of his time in charge is Andre Onana, who's a sweeper keeper and lives on the edge of his own penalty area. He won't have that at United. So that might be the first thing he needs to address in terms of bringing someone in if he wants to implement his style quite quickly. In midfield, He'll often play Edson Alvarez as holding midfielder in the 4-3-3, but sometimes he'll line up with like Gravenberch and Klassen. There's no real ball winner in there. So could he line up with like a Fred Donny Van Der Beek double pivot in some games? He probably could. The 4-2-3-1 obviously creates a role for Bruno Fernandes as a 10. You get Rashford one wing, you get Sancho the other, you get Sancho one wing, Ahmed Diallo the other, and that's fine. Up front this season, obviously Sebastian Haller has been outstanding, so he has liked having that target man type striker. But in the past, we've seen him play Dusan Tadic as a free-roaming false nine type. So he can go either way with that. He's also used Casper Dahlberg in that role as a number nine, as an out-and-out pure number nine. So we don't really know what he wants, but let's err on the side of caution and say he wants to bring in a more target man type number nine. There have been recent links to Darwin Nunes. I don't know that Darwin Nunes will go to a club who aren't in the Champions League, but maybe if the bag of money is big enough, he'll take the chance. Maybe he'll look to bring in Sebastian Haller. Why not? He's used to him. Haller knows the system. Haller is a better player than what we saw at West Ham. So maybe he'd go that route. 
I think if he was to bring players from Ajax, Jurian Timber has been linked. He'd make a lot of sense. You put him next to Varane, I think that's fine. His other normal centre-back, Lissandra Martinez, is too small to play in a back four in the Premier League. Unless you're going to play him left-back, which is a waste of him. But Julian Timber could make a lot of sense. Mizrahi would have made sense, but it looks like he'll go to Bayern. Gravenberch would be a big upgrade on what they have in midfield, but again, looks Bayern-bound. I wonder if he might try and tempt Dusan Tadic to come with him. Now, Tadic is a little bit past his best at this point at 33, but just that understanding of the system, understanding of what's required and the reliability you get with Dusan Tadic could be interesting. But if he's going to go 4-2-3-1, then perhaps he'll use Donny van de Beek as one of his double pivot. He'll need to buy someone in there he might need to buy a winger. He will need to buy a striker. They need a right back and they might need a centre back as well. So, and, and a goalkeeper. So you, you're starting to get into quite a lot. Now, I mentioned about the comparisons that will out unquestionably be made with Klopp. Every 10, 15, 20 games, there will be a graphic on Sky. There'll be a tweet that goes viral. United are back, and this is why, and look how they are compared to how Liverpool were in their first season under Jurgen Klopp. So what I thought I'd do very quickly is take a look at the squads that they inherited or are inheriting. So in terms of goalkeepers, when Jurgen Klopp took over, he inherited Simon Mignolet, Adam Bogdan, and Danny Ward. Ten Hag gets David De Gea, Dean Henderson, both of whom better than any of the three keepers that were Liverpool, and Tom Heaton, who's probably about the same level as Mignolet. So he's inheriting a much better goalkeeping situation, even though you could make the argument none of them are suited to how he'll want to play, and he may have to move them all on. Now, if he tries to prioritise his money, he might just decide to roll with De Gea or Henderson for a year and then address the goalkeeping thing in 2023. But regardless, he's inheriting a much better goalkeeping core than what Klopp did. Let's look at defenders next. So Klopp inherited Nathaniel Klein, solid. Colo Toure, past his best. Dejan Lovren, awful. A young, promising Joe Gomez who got injured in the first training session. Mamadou Sacco, decent. Albi Moreno, space cadet, but on his day, decent. Thiago Lowry never got an opportunity. Martin Skirtle, awful. John Flanagan, awful. Brad Smith, not good enough. Connor Randall, not good enough. And Jose Enrique, awful. Ten Hag is getting Victor Lindelof, Solid. Eric Bailly, good when fit. He's probably in the Sacco group. When he's fully fit and his head is in the game, he can be very, very good. And when those two things don't line up for him, he can be an absolute train wreck. Um, Phil Jones, meh. Harry Maguire, look, Harry Maguire is obviously better than what we've seen from him at United. And I know he's an easy figure of fun to poke at, but he's a decent defender. Like, he's a solid Premier League defender. Raphael Varane, he's not the player he was. He's still very good. Delo is decent, promising. Not what he's been made out to be. Not some great right back, but he's decent. Luke Shaw's is decent. Again, he's borderline good at times, but he's certainly better with no fans than a stadium full. Alex Tellez is decent. Juan Bissaka with coaching could be decent, but at the minute he's a bit of a mess. Brandon Williams, who's on loan at Norwich, he'll be back. He's very promising. Axel Tunzebi, 
He's proven he can play in the Premier League. He's not great, but he's not a train wreck. So there's no question that once again, defensively, he's inheriting a much better group of players than Klopp did. In midfield, Klopp got James Milner, average, Jordan Henderson, in his prime, Phil Coutinho, Adam Lallana, an empty shirt, Lucas Leiva, an empty shirt, Emery Chan, a good player, Joe Allen, solid, Pedro Chiravella didn't make the grade at Liverpool, and Joe Carlos Texera, who was talented, but was never going to make the grade. I don't even know where he is now. Um, Familicio. He's playing in the top division in Portugal by the looks of things. Um, Ten Hag gets... Now, Pogba will be gone. Uh, Juan Mata will likely be gone. Jesse Lingard will be gone. But he gets Pereira, who's talented, but not Premier League capable. Fred, who's good. Bruno Fernandes, who's excellent. Nemanja Matic is, is washed. Danny Va- Donny van der Beek is very good, just needs an opportunity. James Garner's promising. McTominay's okay. Uh, Hannibal Mejbri, who United fans are super high on, so maybe he's something. So I would say the midfield, United have the better player in Bruno, and then I think Donny is probably the second best. He doesn't have much quality, but I think that the three good ones he's getting, Fred, Bruno and Donny, are better than what was at Liverpool, bar Chan and Henderson. But Donny and Bruno are better than Chan or Henderson. I think Fred's about even with them. I would give United the advantage in that midfield area. Hence why Klopp has had to come in and buy a whole bunch of midfielders. In attack... Liverpool had Coutinho, outstanding player. Jordan Ibe, meh. Shea Ojo didn't make the grade. Sergi Canos doing well for Brentford, but wasn't good enough for Liverpool. Danny Ings, good Premier League striker, not top four quality. Divock Origi, I mean, he's a legend for what he's been able to do with the club in terms of big goals, but not a particularly great footballer. Daniel Sturridge, incredible talent, but the injuries were such an issue. Um, Bobby Firmino, obviously, has been brilliant for Liverpool. Benteke was a disaster, a decent player, but a disaster at Liverpool. And Jerome Sinclair wasn't, wasn't good enough. Whereas at United, you've got Anthony Martial, super talented, but moody, inconsistent. Rashford, exceptionally talented, but this season has been a bit of a, a bit of a mess. Last season he played through a lot of injuries. And I wonder if it's the hangover from that. It may well be that he's played too much football in his career to date. Mason Greenwood is the elephant in the room. We don't know what will happen there. Um, I'm not going to speculate on it. Palestri super talented. Sancho is is outstanding. Um, Ahmed Diallo is a uh, Fantastic young prospect. Elanga is a very talented player. And then there's Cristiano. I would say Coutinho's the best player out of both collectives, but I think United have better depth. I think they're players as a whole. Now, a lot depends on what happens with Greenwood, obviously, but we can't really can't really figure that one out. Um, I, you give it a, a push. It's, it's about even an attack. United's have the potential to be better if Rashford and Martial kick on and start to fulfil their talent, Liverpool had Firmino, Coutinho, who they had to sell anyway. And the Sturridge thing was just injuries. If, if Sturridge has stayed fit, it's definitely advantage Liverpool, but he obviously couldn't. So it is advantage, I think, United from at least a fitness perspective. So there's, look, there's no doubt Ten Hag is taking over a better squad than what Klopp inherited. I don't think it's just, debatable up and down the board definitely better goalkeepers definitely better defenders i give them a slight advantage in midfield 
and probably a slight advantage in attack just in terms of the numbers they have. Like, take Cristiano and, and, and Greenwood out of it. Martial, Rashford, Sancho, Ahmad Diallo and Palestri. That's at least five good attackers. And Alanga, six good attackers that I know are young, talented, and you can build with moving forward. At Liverpool, you had Firmino. You had Coutinho, who you were always sort of waiting for the hammer to drop and him to say he wanted to leave. And Sturridge, who just couldn't stay fit. There's no question. But we will see those tweets be under no illusion. By Christmas time, we'll be starting to see tweets and graphics on Sky comparing Ten Hag's first however many games with Klopp's first however many games. And not only will they ignore the fact that Ten Hag has taken over one of, if not the most expensively assembled squad in the world, he's also going to have an entire preseason with which to work. He's also going to spend a bunch more money this summer. Whereas Klopp took over, the season was already going, and Rodgers had wasted a load of money in the summer. Like, when Klopp took over, Liverpool had, in their infinite wisdom, decided to allow, allow him to sign Danny Ings, Adam Bogdan, Nathaniel Klein, Christian Benteke, and give James Milner a ridiculous contract as a Bosman transfer. 150000 a week for five years. When people say, oh, James Milner is a great free transfer, just, just remind them, just remind them that the total cost of James Milner, including his signing bonus, which will have been one year's salary, was in and around the £45 million mark. Plus bonuses. Plus bonuses. In a market of one, competing against nobody, Liverpool offered him that contract. City offered him 90 grand. 90 grand. Arsenal offered him less. And Brendan Rodgers and Ian Eyre gave him £150,000 a week. £7.5 million signing bonus over five years. At 29 He's since earned another 15 million or so by staying the two extra years on a new contract at the same money. So Liverpool are in to James Miller for a minimum of 60 million. A minimum of 60 million over his seven years at the club. And you want to tell me that was a bargain? Get out of here. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got some news, we've got some gossip, and then we're done for the day. See you soon. Right, welcome back. So, on the BBC website, Thomas Tuchel is unhappy with the referee after last night's game. And I did think the referee... There's that clip of him smiling and laughing with Carlo Ancelotti. And that doesn't look good. That doesn't look good. Even just as a matter of respect, it doesn't look good. Chelsea gave absolutely everything. They're the reigning holders and they've gone out and you're sat there laughing with, with the opposition manager. It doesn't look good on that referee. Um and I get that everybody loves Carlo, but you know, you've you've got to behave yourself a bit better than that. There is a, an interesting couple of pieces here. One about Ten Hag on the brink of becoming United Manager uh, by Simon Stone. But there's a really interesting piece here entitled Maurizio Pochettino, how the PSG manager slipped down Manchester United's pecking order. So do give that one a read. It is, it's quite insightful. Uh, it's, it is written by Guy and Balaga, so it could all be complete fiction. It could all be complete fiction. But he did write a book on Pochettino. He does have a relationship with Pochettino from when Pochettino was at Espanol. So do give that one 
uh, a bit of a read um, when you get a chance. There's a really good piece here about Jamal Musiala. So he is the next one in the Wonder Kids team that they've put together here. So this team is getting there. It is getting there. They have nine of the 11 spots filled. They're missing a centre-back and a striker. Now, the, 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 the setup is mental. It's a back three, five across midfield, including Florian Verts at right wing-back and Kamaldine Suleimana at left wing-back. But Musiala, Gravenberch and Gavi is a midfield three. Is You know, it's something for FIFA, but it's it's fun. Uh, Julian Alvarez, personally, uh, he's not that level. He just isn't. He's not that guy. Uh, Keikai and um, Gvardiol as two of the three centre-backs. Curious to see who that third centre-back will be. Also curious to see who the second striker will be. And Green. Which Green is that? I don't know who this goalkeeper is. I do not know who that goalkeeper is. I genuinely don't know who that goalkeeper is. I'll have to look. Um, but yeah, so it's about Jamal Musiala. Anyway, the next piece about Jamal Musiala, who is a wonderful player. Um, so do give that a bit of a glance over. But the one that's really interesting is Granit Xhaka. So Granit Xhaka has come out and said that fans and players need to treat each other with more honesty and respect after admitting he was close to quitting Arsenal because of the pure hatred he received. Xhaka said his bags were packed shortly after an angry confrontation with his own fans in October 2019. When I close my eyes now, I can still see their faces. I can see their anger. The passports were out. I was done with Arsenal, finished. You incurred those boos. Fans have the right to boo their own players if their players are A, dragging their asses, B, behaving the way you've behaved, and C, being, oh, it is, it is, it's the keeper for, yeah, it's the, that's exactly who it is. It's Green from Sedetian. Well done, guy. Thank you very much. It is Green from Sedetian who they are trying, I believe, to get to declare for England. I believe he has, hasn't he? He's played now an underage group, underage game. Etienne Green, born in Colchester, but he's lived in France since he was six. Uh, he's now played twice for the England under-21s. Interesting. Interesting. So Etienne's academy is always impressive. Always impressive. Uh, he had been called up to the French under-21 team but has now made the decision to change to the England under-21 team. I do wonder if he's had a look at the likes of Alban Lafont and thought that's a harder path. Whereas with England, there's not really anyone standing in his way. Like if we look at the top English goalkeepers, and I know I've gone off topic as I always do from Shagrana Jacket to Etienne Green, but for one second, like Pickford, not great. Pope, not great. Henderson, not great. Good, not great. Um, Ramsdale, not great. You look at the other 21 squad, Joe Bursick is good, but he's not great. Freddie Woodman is good, he's not great. If if Etienne Green is, is as good as he is rumoured to be, and I I've only seen him play twice and he had very little to do in one of the games. Then maybe he's looked at it and thought, right, there's a much clearer path here for me. I also wonder if he's someone that will have Premier League clubs knocking on his door in the summer because a couple of Premier League clubs said Hampton immediately spring to mind who could do with a new goalkeeper. Leicester could do with a young goalkeeper to develop, <clears throat> excuse me, develop over the long term. And he will have a relationship with Wesley Fafana because they were in the same academy for a number of years. So 
potentially, potentially, I wonder if Leicester might look at him because they could do it sorting out a long-term successor for Casper Schmeichel. Uh, yeah, they were together at Sandethian for five years. So maybe, maybe. Um, anyway, back to Granite Jacket. I, I just... I don't believe that any of the fans hated him. And it's certainly not disrespectful for them to boo him. The fact that he then cupped his hands to to his ears and acted like a complete bellend. To me, you warrant louder boos when you do things like that. When you've been as bad for Arsenal as Granit Xhaka has been, after arriving for such big money, I think you've got to you've got to live with it. Like you get paid a fortune. Now, if people are coming up to you away from the game, if you're in the street with your wife or your family and someone comes up and says something to you, smack them in the mouth. They have no right to say anything to you away from the game. But when they've paid their money, now I'm not talking about, you know any kind of bigoted comments or anything like that. But they have a right. If you've played badly, they've got a right to tell you you've played badly. They've got a right to boo. Because at the end of the day, the club means more to them than it ever will to you. They're more important to the club than you are. Every Arsenal fan is more important to Arsenal Football Club than Granit Xhaka or any other player or any manager. Same thing at every club. The most important group of people connected to any club are the fans. Because the fans are there by choice. And the fans are the ones that pay in. The fans are the ones that bring the commercial deals. Because if you don't have fans, unless you're Man City, you're not getting commercial deals. Like, there's a reason, let's say Everton, who don't have as many fans as Liverpool, also don't have as many commercial deals as Liverpool. They're not as big a brand. They don't attract as many people. They don't appeal to the same scope. Arsenal fans were right to boo him. And they'll likely end up booing him again. But the fact that we're two and a half years on from this incident and that Xhaka is A, still crying about it, and B, still at Arsenal at all, is bizarre to me. This guy's been mediocre or worse for nearly six years at Arsenal now. Uh, last bit then, the police are investigating after the Manche- after Cristiano Ronaldo broke that young boy's phone. Uh, the police are investigating reports of an alleged assault. The mother of the child said that he is currently unable to sleep and uh, is haunted by the incident if you if you just let it waft you can smell the lawsuit you can smell the lawsuit in the air soon for a million quid he'll settle for 250 grand why not <laughs> why not And he deserves it because that was just one of the most petulant acts I've ever seen. And he should be booed for things like that. Nobody should walk up to him in the street and say anything. Now, there's other things he's done that people should walk up to him in the street and talk about, but not not anything to do with a football match. Um, But yeah, I mean, the jacket thing, people are entitled to boo you. you. You don't get unconditional love and support regardless of how you perform when you're earning a hundred grand a week to do a job. If you're in any job, any job and you're playing or you're performing poorly, you don't keep getting paid massive money every week. They just tell you to go home, find something else to do. Football is one of the weirdest industries going. Like you get a manager who fails at his job and then still gets paid for years to come. Like David Moyes 
failed at Manchester United. Manchester United paid him for six years. Alan Pardew the same. Like, the smart managers get their contract guaranteed. Some managers take a job, they get sacked, they take another job, and the first club no longer have to pay them. Smart managers get their contracts guaranteed. Case in point, Andre Villas-Boas. Manager Porto wins the treble. Chelsea paid £13 million to buy him out of his Porto contract. Before agreeing to take the job, Villas-Boas places a call to Jose Mourinho, who he'd worked with at Chelsea. What should I do? Make them guarantee your contract. He signs a six-year, £7 million a year contract, £42 million. He gets sacked after seven months. Now, the Chelsea-friendly journalists will tell you they paid him £5 million. He went away. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Go and look at Chelsea's accounts because that's where you see where things are. Chelsea's accounts from that year, they paid him £42 million. They paid him the rest of his contract. And he just went and took a different job then six months later. Simple enough. Not bad for six months' work. That's why Vias Boas can afford to walk out on different jobs. It's why he can afford to take time off. It's why he, well, he, he can afford to do that because he's earned millions elsewhere. But it's one of the reasons he never has to worry about money again. Roman Abramovich gifted. Vias Boas and his family, generational wealth for six months' work. We'll wrap up with the gossip. Barcelona are targeting Arsenal and Brazil centre-back Gabriel. I have a bit of a tough time seeing that one. Manchester United are eyeing a potential move for Christopher Nkunku. We'll see. Manchester United and Tottenham are interested in signing West Brom goalkeeper Sam Johnston. He doesn't make sense for Ten Hag. He's not good enough to play for a top four club either. I mean, he's he's not exactly stood out as too good for the championship this year. Liverpool are poised to make a £25 million offer for Gleison Bremer. No, they're not. Poland striker will Robert Lewandowski will stay at Bayern Munich this summer and reject moves to Arsenal, Manchester United and Bayern and Barcelona, says Bayern chief executive Oliver Kahn. Um, I think that's a bit of a wait and see as well. Manchester United face a backlash from the players over a decision to give Paul Pogba a new deal that would make him the highest paid player in the Premier League. They haven't given him anything. Napoli are determined to keep Victor Simeon. Uh, this summer, despite interest in the 23-year-old from Manchester United and Arsenal, he's a tremendous player, but I think the price will be well above what he's ever going to be worth. Barcelona must pay Juventus 100 million euro if they want to sign Matthias De Ligt. I think, because that's 83 million pounds, I think Juventus paid like, I want to say 67 million pounds. He hasn't been good there. He's been all right. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't developed the way we'd, we would have expected. And yet they want a £16 million profit when his contract is, is running. I think he's got two years left in his contract. No. Brentford are hopeful that Christian Eriksen will remain at the club at the end of his six-month deal, but they face fierce competition for his signature from Tottenham. I, I just don't see the Tottenham thing. I really don't. Aston Villa have expressed interest in Matthias Ginter. Uh, the Borussia Mönchengladbach centre-back's contract is out at the end of the summer, or end of the season, rather. Uh, the 28-year-old has been scouted by Juventus, Tottenham and West Ham. He could make sense for Tottenham in the middle of the back three. I'm not sure he's really a top-four player in the Premier League, but he's better than Eric Dyer. I'll, I'll just say that um fulham are close to finalizing a seven million pound deal for shakhtar and israel winger manor solomon as a replacement for fabio carvalho that's not a bad signing you know 
he's a decent player. He's a really decent player. He had a really good year last year. Uh, Spain, sorry, Spanish defender Pablo Mari has revealed his intention to stay in Italy after his loan spell at Udinese from Arsenal ends in the summer. Um, good player, but if I was Arsenal, I'd be trying to bring him back to keep him as a backup centre-back. I think you're going to need a backup left-footed centre-back next season. Gabriel has had a couple of injuries. He's going to go, probably going to get a couple of suspensions next year when he's playing more often. Uh, Brentford, Aaron talks with Shakhtar over a deal for Ukrainian winger Mikhailo Mudrik. Don't really know much about him. Don't remember seeing much of him last season. He's got um, he's got some interesting hair. Ah, he was on loan last season. I haven't watched Shakhtar this season. I watched a bit of them last season. He was on loan with some other club. Desna Chimhev. Meh. Manchester City's Republic of Ireland goalkeeper Gavin Basunu is attracting interest from a number of clubs in the Premier League and across Europe. He's very, very talented. He's Ireland's best goalkeeper and has the potential to be the best Irish keeper ever. There's definitely a championship or no, a championship club out there who, who need him for next season. And I'm hopeful that he makes a permanent deal, a, per, a permanent move. Guy says Burrow will link to them. Burrow would make sense for him. Burrow would make sense for Basunu if um if City will let him go in the summer. Paolo de Bala's representatives are in talk with Inter Milan over a free transfer from rivals Juventus. I do think that's where he's going to end up going. I think his relationship with Beppe Morata is what will be the clincher on that one. And that is me for today, folks. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.